Rewind with Oshin Langan. This is the Rewind 2015 on News Talk. I'm Oshin Langan. Coming up, we reflect on some of the big stories of the year in hurling, football, rugby, camogie, and ladies' football. And we look ahead to 2016, which will see our boxers push for glory at the Olympics. Kenneth Egan will join us and we'll hear from Darren O'Neill on his bid to reach the Olympics and life without coach Billy Walsh. I think it's fair to say, though, that the biggest show in town will be Euro 2016. But how many of us thought we'd get there after last June's one-all draw at home to Scotland? The referee blows his full-time whistle and that's that. It is a one-all draw at the Aviva Stadium and that does not do Ireland a whole lot of good, unfortunately, Dave. Today, obviously, we want to try and win the game to go ahead of Scotland. Status quo seems to have remained. Scotland will be delighted to get out of here with, with something on the board. But there's still, there's still a distance to go. We have, uh, we have not uh, given up this by a long way. Shane Long has done it! A good night for Ireland might just be turning into a great night for Ireland! At that night, of course, it was you know, a great euphoria, a great excitement. And what we had done is that we knew then that we had to, that, uh, the result, because you've no time to, to, to dwell with it, um, a couple of days later we're in Poland but we felt that regardless of what happened in Poland we are now in the playoffs anyway so it was almost like a free run in the Poland game in the Poland game we just weren't quite up for it we maybe just didn't have the the energy again having used it all up maybe against Germany but it reignited the nation it gave us as you mentioned a great 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 night night to enjoy a night to remember and I think myself, my own view, I thought it was a fantastic night to beat Germany, the world champions. Really great. And Shane Long scoring the goal and the scenes just afterwards. I think that was matched, if not surpassed, in the night against, uh, against Bosnia. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelie- unbelievable. I'm, I'm from Kerry, right? And loads of my mates inside Mark said, don't go up, you're wasting your time. They're all GA heads. But I'll tell you one thing. They, 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 I'm going to stuff them when I get back into work on Monday because that was absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. My young fella will never forget that. I will never forget that in my whole entire life when I'm even 58. We don't have the players like, but I was like Wes Hoolan there. Like, they just got the, got the boot in at the right time, you know. One thing um, to say there, pal. And, uh, Jerry, what come to get you, buddy? What come to get you? <laughs> absolutely fantastic. And we should beat Germany because we have one uh, single German here in our ranks. She wasn't. She's covered she, up. She wasn't slow. She's covered, covered up. Jersey, yeah. Is <laughs> you're it here. the same school like Shane Long was? Is it the same school? I went killing all Shane Long, and there was no soccer club there when he was playing. But I said there'll be certainly a few more people on the soccer pitch after tonight. How did you feel as someone who went to the same school as Shane and like Shane, you're wearing the Tipperary jersey here? Oh, tonight. on straight away. The last few games, I say right, Shane Long will come on. Shane Long will score, and he did the job tonight. So a proud moment for any Tipperary person. We've had faith in that man with a long time, like you know. Why isn't playing the Premiership week in, week out? That's the questions now they'll all have to ask. Like when he's putting goals in past Germany, he has to be playing every week. Every week. Brady whips it in. It's going low. It's met by a Bosnia. It comes to the back post. Oh, Just happy to be on the end of it, so uh, we're delighted and 
we got there in the end, yeah. Difficult campaign, but we got there. We've been on this road before. Uh, as long as we're not in Saipan, we'll be all right. No, um, no, we crossed that bridge. I think today is just for the players to enjoy it, reflect on it over the next few days. But of course, let's obviously with the, man, with the manager and the staff and the players, we obviously won't want to go over there and just uh, just to make up the numbers. We'll go over there to do the country proud and put on a good performance and uh, and do our best. And that's all you can ask. I hold the players in the most enormous esteem. He might be short of a number of things, but I tell you what, a lot of courage and determination and fighting to the end uh, is uh, things that they possess in abundance. Ah, oh, it was absolutely brilliant, yeah? Can't wait for France. You're going France! Ah, oh, brilliant, super, they were bleeding. Great tonight, brilliant. It's good to be back now in the European scene. I was in Daly Mount Park when John Atteo stuck the ball into the Irish net and put us out in 1950-something. And I've been here, and this has been the greatest night of our lives. Does the trip to France next summer mean a very, very tight Christmas? No. Sure, sure why we'll just uh, you know we, we'll worry about it in January yeah worry about it in January That's, who's taking the horse to France I think Martin O'Neill will take the horse and we'll all ride it for <laughs> the former Ireland international Paddy Mulligan welcome to the Rewind 2015 we've just heard Martin O'Neill talk about qualification and the fact that after the Scotland game the one all draw at home in June he still believed it was possible not many people believed him did you at that stage? Be I honest. Still, I still don't believe him. <laughs> I still don't believe he come out with something like that because it, it, it looked a forlorn uh, uh, situation for, for the Irish at, at that juncture. And, and they've done very, very well uh, uh, to, to go and qualify. Nobody could have envisaged that they would go and beat uh, uh, Germany. You know, I don't care what anybody says. Nobody could have envisaged that. Uh, not, not in your wildest dreams. Um, because really, in, in the two games against Germany... Germany in Germany should have been three or four goals up and the same could be said for the, the game at, at, at Lansdowne Road. But look at they got there. Uh, they got their 1-0 win. Uh, Shane Long with, with, with a fabulous goal. So, you know, you give them all the credit that, that, they, uh, that they deserve. But don't tell me, Martin, that, that you thought that after the Scottish game, after such a, an abject performance against Scotland in, in both games, uh, both, both in, in, in Celtic Park and, and also here, here in Lansdowne Road, that you thought that uh, qualification was still possible. No, you're, you're, you're the eternal optimist, and I don't believe you're that. Georgia did us a big favour in beating Scotland, but aside from that, regards look, our own performances, what do you think changed between the Scotland game and the second leg, particularly of the Bosnia match? Because we, we comfortably cruised through that second leg, which is most un Irish when it comes to a big game. But let, let, let's be very honest about this. Bosnia were very, very poor. Dzeko did not want to know. Their main player did not want to know in either game. And if you were to look back at, at, at both games and look at the amount of times that he had, he had, he had ball in, in wonderful positions and gave it away so cheaply and so easily. And he shrugged his shoulders and just, just didn't But bother. he was pressed though, wasn't he? I mean, surely no, Ireland no, have to not take that credit much, for that. Not that, no, not, not that much. Not that much. Let's, let's, let's be fair about that. Not that much. Now, Ireland played, played uh, well in the second half against the Germans, did not perform uh, across in Bosnia, and then uh, played for a while in the second half against the Bosnians here, um, against the Poles, 
that's that's really when they when they had the the, the chance to go and uh, automatically qualify, and they, and they didn't take it, and that that has that has to be a concern. Now the players, I'm sure the players were gutted at at at, at not uh, getting at least uh, a draw in Poland because the, the poles were definitely uh, not not ready for that. And the pressure was getting to the poles, and that was the ideal opportunity. But look at all's well that ends well, and 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 they've qualified, and we look forward now to the. Uh, to the to the Euros and let, let's hope that they that they do very very well. You sound worried all the same. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a big ask. Um, I'm I'm not I'm not worried about uh, uh, the three teams in the group. I'm worried about Ireland. I'm worried about what 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 what, what team selection is going to be, what players are going to be in form, and how they're going and how they are going to perform. And that's that's my concern. And and uh, once 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 Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane get the Irish side of it right. Then you shouldn't be fearing anybody. You should be going out there. But will they? Do you think, from what you've seen so far, will, will they, they get it right? I, I would hope so. I, I would hope so. Yeah. I, but but I would have. I would. I certainly would have my doubts. And I'm not being ultra pessimistic here. But you have to be realistic as well. I would love to see Ireland come out of that group. I'd love to see them go on and win the tournament. Never mind nothing else. And don't forget that that's always possible. When, when the Greeks win it in 2004 yeah. and the Danes win it. Uh, have have not gotten back back in through the very much through the back door. Yeah. Well, then anything anything is absolutely uh, uh, possible there. So again, it it, it 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 always comes back to what you do. You know what the opposition are going to be like. So yeah. it's what you do, and 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 don't forget that um, you're playing away from home in all of the games as as everybody is except except the French. But and the, and 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 we we the Irish team will have massive support. But don't forget that when you get out on that pitch, that the ball is there and you've got to earn the right to get onto that ball. And you've got to be brave enough to accept the responsibility to be on that ball all day long. Who are the players who would do that for Ireland if selected? Well, you're, you're, you're hoping that uh, the, the likes of Harry Arthur, from what we've seen thus far, if he, if he comes into it, um, you'd like to think that Holland, that, that, that people rave about, but it was anonymous for 45 minutes again last Saturday against Everton and got totally overrun in midfield by the Everton midfielders and, and didn't do a thing. So I, I, have a, I have a huge concern there. Now, I'm hoping that he, he steps up to the mark. I'm not so sure that Wes Holland can play at, 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 the, at the pace um, that is required uh, for 90 minutes. And that's, that's, that, that's got to be a huge concern. You want James McCarthy to start getting on the ball that bit more yes he can he can do his stuff defensively as, as he's shown we need him to get on the ball a bit more because he, he, he can be a good user of the ball but we need we need that from, from, uh, from James McCarthy uh, Whelan will go and do uh, what he's best at that's breaking up play protecting the back four getting the ball and giving it to the nearest Irishman who, who can pass the ball better, uh, better than him and that in itself mm. is an achievement because that's, uh, that shows that there is a bit of football intelligence there that when he he realizes that he's not going to be able to hit a thirty or forty yarder, and 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 that's what that that's, and that's what we're looking for. We're looking for people to go and keep the ball. At international football, it's it's just like a game of chess. You've got to be comfortable on the ball. You've got to keep it. You've got to make your passes stick. You've got to make the ball stick, and you can't just be wasting energy, uh, i.e. in the as in the Premiership, in the Premier League, I should say, or in 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 the Championship. You've got to be very careful yeah. with that ball. Don't give it away. Don't give it away cheaply just for the sake of giving it away. As it stands, who's your starting eleven for the first game against Sweden? Oh. Well, you see, I, I, I'd, I'd still, I'd still go with Ford. 
in goal. In goal, although although Randolph has, has, has done has done brilliantly well. You, you have to have you have to have Coleman there. Does Rob Elliott come into the mix if he continues doing what he's doing at Newcastle? Well, everybody will come into the mix if they if they if they keep performing. That's that, that's the choice then. That, that and Rob Elliott was was absolutely brilliant last uh, last Sunday against Spurs. Um, but I'd, I'd I'd be going for Ford. Um, I know Randolph has done very little wrong, but Ford Ford had done nothing wrong, <laughs> and yet and yet he was left out. Yeah. You know, you'd be you'd be going for Coleman, of course. You'd be going for you'd be going for O'Shea. Uh, you'd be going for Clark. And not uh, not Kyo and Clark, or or no, I'd, 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 no, no. Kyo has done Kyo has done very well. I I would just go go with a bit of experience uh, with O'Shea and 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 uh, and Clark if everybody is available. Yeah. And this is very much hypothetical. Yes, and I throw Wilson in at, at, at left back. I play Robbie Brady wide on uh, wide on the left. Uh, Walters on, Walters on, on the right, and I'd go um, Arthur, yep. Whelan, and Holan. Okay. And then I'd go Shane Long up front. How far away is Jeff Hendrick from your team? Not too far away. Not too far away, but if if Harry Arthur keeps playing the way that he's that I've seen him playing the, in in the last few weeks, he's, he's he's got to be in there with with a real shout because he can he can pick a pass, as he's proven in the last two games against Chelsea and 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 uh, against Man United, and and that's and he can un, he can un, unlock defenses and his, his work rate is absolutely incredible. Also, why he, is McCarthy he's, left out? He's a very. I'm 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 not convinced about McCarthy. I need I need to see an awful lot more from James are, are you McCarthy not convinced between now and yeah. the end of the season. Are you not convinced in an Ireland sense, or are you not convinced overall? Because he seems to get fairly praised for his performances at Everton. He seems to play a different role, and he said after the Germany game, for example, I played more like I played in my club role wise. Yeah, and I, breaking I up play, for, giving the simple tack, giving the yeah, simple we ball. Glenn, we have Glenn Whelan doing that. Yeah, okay. Does he do it better than McCarthy? You know, and he, uh, to to a degree, he does. Yeah. See. McCarthy is in the unfortunate position that Martinez thinks he can go and, and, and play that role, yeah. whereas I think that that he can go and expand his game that little bit more. And I, I don't believe that you can have two holding midfielders doing the same job, because then where's the cre- creativity going to come from? I think I think one, one is more than sufficient, and wheeling in there, uh, you know, can be fine. Yeah. There's no I've, I've absolutely no problem with that, but. It, it, for me, it probably would be between McCarthy and Holland. Depends on what Holland does between now and the end of the season. Because I'm not, I'm not a great lover of Holland, not at all. Yet he's still in your starting but eleven. Yes, and yet he he can on occasion. He will keep the ball for you. Will keep the ball maybe in the wrong areas. Who else gets so we'll near see. your team? I mean, McCarthy is out. Robbie Keane is he even in the squad for you? I would. I'd have Robbie Keane in the squad. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, Robbie Keane has to be has to be in the squad because if you take, put Robbie Keane on for fifteen or twenty minutes. He can he can get something for you, and he, he look at the goals he scored down the years. Yeah. Uh, I, people say, oh yeah, the tap ins are against mediocre opposition and so on. He still gets goals. Shane Long misses goals. Yes, he got a wonder goal against uh, against the Germans, but that's that's that that's more uh, um, sort of a once off situation. Robbie Robbie will get goals every every every, every other week for you. Yeah. I know that I know he's playing. Excuse me, I know he's playing and. In America, and 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 I, I watch that league on occasions as well, uh, when I'm absolutely desperate, and uh, it's not it's not the best league in the world, and yeah. the defending is certainly not the best, and the the pace of the game is, is is way off. But having said all of that, Robbie still goes out and and he, and he does the business, no no question about it, and he's done it he's done it for Ireland. So I would think that uh, both on and off the pitch, you need you need Robbie Keane uh, uh, in, in in France without without any shadow of a doubt happen.
another two names to throw at you Alan Judge performing very well for Brentford at the moment yeah. and James McLean who unlike Judge is an established member of the squad and quite an important one as well O'Neill seems to like him yeah and, and, and occasionally can be but don't forget that James McLean can cost you you know I mean he's, he, he's, he, he dives into tackles when there's absolutely no need and gets stupidly booked and then gets suspended for the most stupid things so I mean he's, he's, he's got great pace um, he, likes to, he likes to take people on Knocked the ball past him, but still a super a, sub in Europe. A clever, given yeah. that pace, no, 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 a clever, a clever fullback has to start. No, a clever fullback okay. will go and sort him out very, very quickly, and that's the that's the concern I have for for James McLean. Um, Robbie Brady, I would play left. Uh, I would play wide in the left as opposed to left back. Mm. I think that I think that Robbie Brady, he's he's he's, a, he's got a, a very very good left foot, but he's got to learn that when he doesn't have the ball, that he's got to defend and help his fullback out that he didn't do in, in the last game when, when, when Stephen Ward was, was hung out to dry um, by, uh, by, by Bosnia and, and uh, Robbie Brady wasn't near him. So if Robbie Brady was playing left back, I'm sure he'd like his, his, his wide player to come back and, and give him a helping hand. What about Alan Judge? What does he have to do to get into the squad? Because Martin O'Neill has said, if guys play well and they put their hands up and they make it so that I can't not pick them, I will pick them now. Yes, Probably well, meant for the squad rather than the team. Oh yes, he's got to keep performing at, at the level that he's performing at, and, and even even improving that. What do you like about to, to catch the to catch the eye? Um, he, he's very he's very very good on the ball. Um, he he can he can pick a pass, um, and he's 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 very assured, and I, I like that. He's got a lot an awful lot of composure, and I like that. And, and also he gets up and down that pitch also. And just before we leave Euro twenty sixteen. A lot of talk about Richie Towell. Hasn't even played for Brighton yet. Won't be able to play for them until, until early next month. Yeah, early month. January. About the, I think it's the 4th or 5th of January. Do you think it's that. a possibility? If he produces. I think that every, every, everybody who, who, who gets out and performs, it's a, it's a big ask for Richie. You know, Richie would probably be looking at maybe... Should for, he have already been called? For next season. Um, playing, the, the way he's been playing the League of Ireland, and I hope, I hope the lads have been looking at him, um, and there, there were a few occasions at friendly games that perhaps you know a few League of Ireland players could have, could have been brought into the squad and to, to have a look and give them a, give them a feel uh, for the, just, just bring them in as extra people for training just for argument's sake and give them a feel of what the squad is like and, and, and what the standard is like uh, not, not necessarily be in the squad but bring them in as, as a sort of extras and say here there's three or four lads here let's, let's have a look at them these lads and how, how, they, how they behave on the pitch how they behave off the pitch for three or four days or for a week and there have been opportunities there. I know that they're up to their, uh, up to their eyes as regards getting the team pre- uh, prepared for, for that Bosnian game and so on but still not it would have been, would have been, would have been good to go and see a few League of Ireland lads uh, get in there and, 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 uh, and, show, and show what they're, what, what they're made of and they, I mean, Martin and Roy then could have had a real close-up uh, look, yeah. look at them. But that hasn't happened. But let's hope it happens in, 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 the, in the next number of months. Well, Martin and Roy were at the Cup final. I'm not sure how many other games outside. I know Roy has gone to a lot of League of Ireland yeah, over the years. Depends on what they picked up from it. And Martin O'Neill admitted that he was listening to Off the Ball's Premier League commentary on the way in. He joked about Stephen Ward being there and that he didn't ask his permission to be part of the commentary team. But he was joking. If it was Roy, you wouldn't be so sure if he was joking. <laughs> Look, that brings us nicely to the League of Ireland and that Cup final. Dundalk winning it. They won the league. Cork City yeah. second in both competitions again. Um... Stephen Kenny, wow! Ah, wonderful! One, uh, I mean, uh, what an achievement to win the league uh, two years in succession! It's just absolutely magnificent. Now, I mean, Stephen Kenny has got the players organised. Uh, 
they play at a very high tempo. They're, they have a great, a great shape uh, to him. And and when you've got when you've got to, uh, the likes of Gannon, uh, the, the fullbacks and so on, uh, you know they're they're they're, they're just different class. Yeah. Even even losing towel, they'll still they'll still be the the team to beat next season. Hopefully. But he has kept Daryl Horgan. Oh, well, that, that's a that's a that's a huge plus, huge plus because he's he he can be magnificent. If he, he was he was smashing in the cup final with the the great run down the left and and creating the goal as well. And Cork City have and Cork, unfortunately, you know John Coffey yeah. has done a magnificent job there. They've been they've been great. You know it's it's it's, it's a great pity that the dog are so good because Cork surely would have won. Uh, one of the trophies, be it the league or the cup, but yeah. look at they're still there and they'll keep they'll keep coming back. Tradition is so strong in Cork; they they yeah. they love their sport down there. And they've signed a few players and they've kept a few players. Unfortunately, well, I say unfortunately, I mean this in a personal sense because I like Dan; always have done. Dan Murray has Dan retired, Murray, yeah. yeah, and he's been he's been he's been wonderful for Cork down the years. You know, it's a great, it's a great pity to, to see him retire, but it, it comes it comes to all of us, O'Shane. Even you are a young lad like you, so we wish Dan, we wish Dan a happy retirement, and let's hope that he, he remains in some capacity in the game. I'm yeah. sure that John Coffey can find some some spot for him down there in Cork. Yeah, and uh, he was excellent with Rovers as well. Let's yeah. uh, let's not forget. Let's Although, not forget as a Cork Rovers. City fan, I choose to blank out that time. Of course, Dan you Murray's do. Career. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about the stories of the year in the League of Ireland? Finn Harps going up. I mean, that's that's huge. Finn Harps, brilliant. And Limerick, Limerick, Limerick nearly getting there. You know, Limerick, Limerick. Uh, uh, um, having had such a bad run uh, in the Premier League, you know, finishing near enough bottom as makes no difference, and 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 getting into the playoffs, winning the first leg, and then getting done in the second. But look at Finn Harps deserve great credit, and it's, it's great to see that uh, that there's uh, uh, top top league football back up in, in the in the in the northwest of the country. So you've got you've got Galway, Sligo, and and uh, Finn Harps now. Vying, vying for pole position amongst their little league. Yeah, and it's great as well. Um, it, it's a fantastic venue for the home supporters. I'm not sure if away not, teams. Not for the away yet. teams. <laughs> Is it true that players yeah. used to develop dodgy hamstrings the week of going to Bally Buffet? They wouldn't have to go to Bally Buffet for fellas to do- get have dodgy hamstrings. I can assure you, a few lads would be travelling down to Cork in my day uh, didn't want to, didn't want to know about it. They'd get out and they'd get out, but they only stand there. Yeah, tough place to go though Bally Buffet yeah, and that's something they really have to use if they're to have any chance and to you know when they came into the league first of all back in 69 um, I was still at Rawers just before I went to Chelsea and we played them in the league, in a league match up in Bally Buffet and we beat them 10-2 and, and it, was, it was just I, I couldn't believe that how, how, how poor they were they were just a junior team having, having just come in but look how, they've, look how well they've done and look at the players they've produced down the years as well and the league at large, this, yeah. The league at large this year. What did you make of it? Outside of Dundalk and Cork, because we always tend to judge it on the, the top, on, on and the, the, on the top two. But yeah. what you need to judge Bowls. a league by is everything. Yeah, but uh, Rovers will be Rovers will be disappointed with the way the with the way the season went. Yeah. Um, Bowes, Bowes consolidated to a degree. They still have they still have an awful lot of work to do. Uh, but you know, uh, Drogheda were probably a bit of a disappointment as well the way the way they ended up. But no, I, I, the league overall I thought it was was a reasonable league. Didn't set the world on fire, but it was a reasonable league. Paddy Mulligan, thank you very much and happy New Year. A pleasure and happy happy returns to you. Yes, we're all looking forward to Euro 2016, which gets underway for us on June 13th in Paris against Sweden. Follow off the ball every night from seven and every Saturday from one and Sunday from twelve for the best build up and analysis as Irish fans. Get excited once again off the ball. Also home to live and exclusive Premier League commentary every Sunday. Now still to come on the Rewind 2015 here on News Talk. What makes Cork great in ladies football? We talk camogie and we hear from the Irish men's hockey coach Craig Fulton on their Olympic adventure. They're, they're at the Games for the first time since 1948. It's a pretty amazing story. First though, it's hurling. And while Waterford Tip and Galway threatened at times to knock Kilkenny from their perch 
it was once again the black and amber that was the last flag standing in Championship 2015. Kilkenny are the All-Ireland Senior Hurling Champions for a 36th time, an 11th All-Ireland title for Brian Cody. What a second half performance. Dahi Regan is at Croke Park. A hell of a turnaround, Dahi. The writing was on the wall from a long way out the second half. Once it went to war, once it went to a battle, once Kilkenny knuckled down to their task and do what they do better than any other team in the country, you know, dog it out, fight it out. And when it comes to individual battles, you know, to fight and win a hard ball and then do something really brilliant with it. Kilkenny have more players in Ireland than anybody else when it's played like that. Early in the second half, battles were been lost all over the place. You just knew once the battle's been lost, when you lose a battle, it's awful hard to pick yourself up and beat a man that's now got control of you. And Kilkenny just controlled too many sectors. And it, the inevitable conclusion was, you know, they saw it out, they done what I had to do. But again, the sublime genius touches all came from Kilkenny. They're marvellous, they're extraordinary. You couldn't eulogise these guys enough. And Cody as well. That's an immense, extraordinary win against the team that the whole of Ireland rooted for. The whole of Galway, the bloody whole of Boston was home for the whole thing. It didn't matter. They didn't bow a knee. They took it on the chin. They came back. All-Ireland champions again. Extraordinary young men. At halftime, even though we felt we certainly um, were under serious pressure, the lead was minuscule, really. You know, three points for lead with 35 minutes to go is not a big lead, you know, and... If we knew if we got going and, and, and started it, I suppose to play it again again, we wanted to play really that we were going to give ourselves a very, very good chance. And, and again, like, I mean, the, the character and the spirit and the drive and the skill, obviously, which, which the lads showed, particularly in the second half, but also the character that they showed in the first half to withstand a phenomenal challenge from Gaza was just was, was key to everything. Jackie Tyrrell obviously you couldn't play yesterday because of injury I know you were on the bench but uh, is it true you turned into Winston Churchill at half time and gave a rousing speech I wouldn't say that now Oisin it's, it's been overhyped you know I, I just spoke for maybe 30-40 seconds and just from the heart and just thought the lads want an opportunity they, had, they hadn't got going the first half at all and you know we're down by two points as, as, as Owen alludes and they hung in there in the first half but I just said look lads go out and express yourself don't have any regrets and just go for it and, and, open, and open up the shoulders um, and as I say it was it was easy to say the words the lads had to go out and do that and they did that to a man and you know you can see you could see the reaction in the second half how different they were um, and they just went out there and just went for it and uh, you know we got the win in the end which was unbelievable And did you kind of plan that or did you just out and say it when, when everyone was at a quiet moment at half time or how did it work out uh, yeah no I didn't plan it at all he just went in and, and Brian had said a few words and they went off to discuss you know uh, certain ash- issues in the game and that and it was, it, was, it was just among our players in the dressing room and I thought it was very quiet and very dead and I said you know something needs to be said here to get the lads going you know they're almost accepting this and there's a casualness about it and I just I hadn't planned on saying a whole lot I just started talking and you know I, I, I just as I say spoke from the heart and uh, I just said it to the lads look what an opportunity to have in the second half and just go out there and, and, and go for it and you know the reaction was unbelievable out of lads Look obviously you listen to Brian and you listen to the selectors but when a player and a soldier that you've worked with for how many years now I forget but says something like that and, and, and says it with a passion do you listen that bit more on? Does it kind of sink in that bit more, even to a guy like yourself who's, who's as experienced as Jackie, who's, who's one of the senior players? Yeah, well, not, not quite as experienced as Jackie, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm nearly there. But uh, de- most definitely, uh, um, you know, Jackie has done it all in the game, and I think 
all the younger lads probably not so so much me and I'm nearly touching up to the, the, the age he is but uh, all the younger lads definitely look up to him and uh, he's done as you said he's done everything in the game so when when someone like that speaks in the dressing room I think everyone listens up and you know I think Jackie's just trying to play it down there now but I've I've been on the receiving end of one of them speeches in the county final a couple of years ago as well so they they definitely do get you going and that definitely worked for us yesterday. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think was the difference in the second half with Kilkenny? I think there was, there was two things. I think, first of all, the lads should get credit for not playing well in the first half. We're still going in two points down, as, as Owen said, uh, the ability to hang in. But just their whole body language, just knew from the start of the second half, Michael Fenney put in a hit and he just said, things are going to be a bit different in the second half. We, if, if we get bet here, at least we'll have a go. At least the lads will express themselves, and they did. But just, I'd say every one of the 15 up this by about up to 5% each and that's huge over, over the whole over the whole thing and Galway from being the first half and the second half they were just looking around you could see him going what's after happening here this isn't the, this isn't the team we were dealing with in the first half and uh, you know some of the scores were crucial in fairness at key times we got some very crucial scores and, and Galway kind of missed missed a couple of chances um, which which you know was huge and, and the momentum of the game switched a bit but uh, you know it, it's a testament to the lads they were unbelievable they really were in the second half their work ethic was unbelievable it was through the roof and uh, you know it's, it's hats off to them Kilkenny hurlers Owen Larkin and Jackie Tyrrell on Kilkenny winning but what happened to Galway in that second half they quite simply collapsed subsequently the players moved against Anthony Cunningham and uh, he walked away making very critical comments about the panel while doing so after the Super 11 game that was held in Boston between Dublin and Galway I spoke to wing back Aidan Hart who started the All-Ireland final of course he was taken off in the first half and we reflected on that second half and how it went so wrong from that point onwards I suppose if you're asking in terms of the dressing room at half time nothing happened in the dressing room um, I've heard false stories about that I can 100% categorically deny that anyway um, things went well at half time I suppose I think we were three up wasn't it um, things went well keep it going came out in the second half and I suppose they just suffocated us uh, I haven't seen a whole pile of the game back again now what I can see is you know, they just sniffed out our forwards totally and just stopped the supply of ball going up and they just started winning a lot more primary possession and it's just what they do they came out a different animal in the second half Do you as players take responsibility for that second half or is that down to management or is it? Oh no definitely yeah players have to take responsibility there's absolutely no doubt about that I suppose it's a collective thing we, we win together we lose together um, players have to think for themselves on the field too there's absolutely no doubt about that and um, no we wouldn't be shunning any blame on anybody or anything like that and there's no doubt like players do have to take responsibility This is the Rewind 2015 on News Talk and if it was Kilkenny's year in hurling then it was Dublin's in football. I spoke to Dubs forward Bernard Brogan about how they'll go about trying to put back-to-back titles together in 2016. Keep in mind, as talented as Dublin are and um, as successful as they've been in the last couple of years, back-to-back titles is something they haven't managed in the modern era. I think we'll just take it one game at a time. I think when you start thinking about things that haven't been done before and, and like it's like anything when we, when we go try and win the All-Ireland we take it one game at a time because if you start looking at Leinster finals or quarterfinals against Kerry or something like you know, if you start thinking about big games and down the road that's when you take your eye off the ball so we're just going to just gonna get back into the year we're going to take it one step at a time and, and try and just get, get momentum back again trying to get a good run in the league we have two big games at the start with Kerry and the Mayo two massive kind of feelers to see where you're at in the year Jim will probably want to try out a few uh, players in different locations 
locations. Uh, obviously, Alan's not there. There'll be a couple of opportunities for lads to step up and get game time. So it's, it's like any other year. We're just going to go out, find our feet in the in the Auburn Cup in the league, and and let Jim's gate where we're at, and and just just go at it one game at a time. And uh, that's that's what's worked for us before, and we're going to go again. This is Rewind 2015 on News Talk. I'm Oisín Langan. Dublin and Kilkenny shared the glory in the hurling and the football, but it was Cork's year in both ladies football and Camogie. In football, the Rebelettes won a fifth title in a row, while in Camogie they retained their crown despite losing around 13 players from last year. So what drives the Cork ladies footballers? Well, the answer is some great talent, but also a manager, Eamon Ryan. Keep in mind, they hadn't won a senior title until his arrival. And if anything sums up his attitude, it's his comments after this year's All-Ireland final. Now keep in mind, they won. They beat Dublin for the second final in a row. But in the Munster final earlier in the season, they lost to Kerry, who they then went on to beat in the All-Ireland semi-final. Um, that defeat in the Munster final was still grating on Ryan, even after they'd won the All-Ireland. I suppose the biggest thing we ever want for us is that we have a very genuine players, hard-working, honest. I mean, they're listening to a fellow who could be their grandfather for the last 10 or 11 years, but they would never give any indication that the drills were boring or that I was old-fashioned. But even more importantly, that when we do fall, like we did in Mallow, with a bang, they never throw the blame over on us and start saying, ah, they're too older. If we didn't for them, I would have no plan. Like, they never have any of that. They just accept that you're doing your best. And they're reciprocating kind, and I think that is the secret, that they know we're genuine and they try to act accordingly and I think that's the secret it does a secret Was that Munster final the biggest learning oh, for this yeah, team this year? I mean is that would you be here if it wasn't for that? It's the only thing I remember after this year <laughs> I just can't get over how bad we were like But, but has, did that have a positive spin in the end? Because you're all Ireland champions now maybe you learned from it or maybe it gave oh, well, girls extra motivation we, Definitely whatever. we learned but I mean that doesn't still make up for throwing away a Munster Cup like, like if we had if we had been competitive, I mean, at one stage, Kerry put 33 passes together. Yeah. You know, that's unforgivable, like, you know. Yeah. Uh, if we had been beaten by a point or two, say, Levy, you'd, 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 you'd accept that, but we weren't annihilated, like, you know. Yeah. We were ashamed, really, because I can remember a selected torrent to be about six or seven minutes to go and say, we're ashamed, he says, this is awful, you know. Is that what, what makes you the manager you are and this team the manager, or the, the, the team oh, they are? Because I, I you've know. just won the All-Ireland, you actually beat the team who beat you in the Munster final on the way, and still you're going on about it, like, you know, it was a big disappointment, which I'm sure yeah, it was, but you're All-Ireland champions. But it's still a huge disappointment. Yeah. We, play, we trained well the Wednesday before, and we trained brilliantly yeah. the Wednesday after, and we flopped it totally. Yeah. So I have to take some of the blame for that. Yeah. I got caught up on the Camogie versus Glady football. Yeah. Silliness. Yeah. And I think it might have transmitted to the team and I think some of the team also. Yeah. And maybe there was an element of complacency, but it, yeah. it's very seldom, like, you know, so I don't know. No complacency today, a great performance. No, it was a good performance, yeah, it was. The great Eamon Ryan. Mary White has followed this magnificent Cork ladies football team from the start and wrote the award-nominated Relentless, the inside story of the Cork ladies football team, uh, which was nominated for the Satanta Sports Book of the Year Prize this year. It made the shortlist and if uh, if you've read it, you'll know why. Uh, she's been speaking to me about what separates this team from the rest. What makes them great? I suppose I've been following them now for 12 years and reporting on them um, and I've actually been a player when Eamon Ryan came in and did his first uh, trial session back in January 2004. Um they all decided to go on and win multiple Ireland, and I just decided I'd go on and write the book about them. But uh, either way, I'm happy that I've done it. But 
as to put pinpoint, you know, what transcends the decade of success, I couldn't really tell you. And that's been, and I know I've written a book about it, but I think it's just they love what they do. Um, there is absolutely no egos. There has never been an ego. Um, Eamon Ryan, Mary Collins, led by absolute example, um, and Frankie Honan over the decade. Like when you look at, when you consider that Eamon Ryan has travelled over 70,000 miles and hasn't got a penny in expenses as, as coached Cork Ladies footballers, Mary Collins exactly the same for three years, never missed a training session. Um, and Eamon and Frankie have now overseen over something like a thousand training sessions. And, you know, when you look at the fact as well that Kira Walsh um, in the early years for an entire season was flying back and forth from college in Manchester just to attend training on a Sunday morning at the expense of her parents, Kathleen and Donny. You know, that's what you're talking about. They actually, actually just love what they do. Um, and they have great time for one another. And as I say, Eamon's, I suppose, mannerisms, any, anybody who knows him knows that he, he doesn't throw out compliments at all that very easily. And, you know, there was never any egos in those dressing rooms. And I think that was key as well to keeping them level-headed um, throughout the entire year, because throughout the entire decade, I suppose, because it could be so easy to lose the run of yourself, you know, but they never did. And this year kind of summed up their attitude and Eamon Ryan was talking about this after the All-Ireland final he said when they were beaten in the Munster final there was no backlash against him and there never has been he said these players are listening to a guy who could be their granddad and they've never said you know what if we had a better plan we'd win that game or we'd, we'd, no. win, we'd win the game that we lost he said they have never sought to blame anyone else if things haven't gone well and uh, he said that's pretty impressive yeah ex- uh, extremely impressive I suppose when you're talking about people who have nearly, you know, 100, over 100 All-Ireland medals between them and, you know, multiple All-Stars, nearly 60 All-Stars, you know, again, it boils down to ego. They never once questioned him. Um, I'm sure they might have, you know, doubted, you know, some plan down the line, or, you know, in some game. And um, But I think the interesting there thing to note there is how Eamon Ryan himself as a coach is able to put his hand up and say, I messed up. You know, he's not afraid to admit that, and I think maybe that's lacking in, in men's GA this year. Maybe they're under more scrutiny, but, you know, to actually have an individual stand up and say, yeah, I messed up, you know, he's he's not afraid um, to do that, and I think the players respect that. You know, he's only doing his best, and not only that, but he re- respects as well that the players are only doing the best. Like, he never had any rules. He just had high expectations, and the players were pleased themselves then in that regard. Um, and I think that kind of says it all as well, really, that it is surprising that he didn't have any rules, you know, and the door was always open. And, um, but it just, again, it just goes to show the mutual respect that, you know, it's uh, over 90 players have played under Eamon Ryan uh, with the Cork Ladies footballers, you know, and uh, to, to get that respect, you know, says an awful lot about a great man. And along with a few others, we'll say the likes of, of, of Katie Taylor, and Sonia Sullivan before her. This Cork ladies team have actually changed the landscape. They've maybe changed how a lot of people look at women's sport overall. And I know that, that their primary aim is to win all Ireland and be the best they can be. But, I mean, they've been significant in that fight. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, and I think as well, maybe, you know, in, in 2013, when the Irish women's rugby team won the, one, won the first Six Nations, I remember Philip Doyle actually saying to the players at the time, Look, for you guys to actually get the recognition, you have to achieve something extraordinary. And unfortunately, it took ten, it took, 
nearly nine or ten years for the Cork Ladies footballers to get the same kind of recognition in winning the RT Sports Team of the Year award last year. And I think that was a massive moment in, you know, for the Irish public realising, wow, look what these guys have actually achieved. And I suppose the book in part probably, you know, from my own point of view, part, you know, the reason for writing the book is to probably maybe change people's perceptions and get them to realise just what went into actually achieving that success over over 10 years. You know, it's not like they were hammering teams left, right and centre. They won four All-Irelands by a solitary point. You know, it's not easy to keep up in the bar and what went in with such minimal resources. They've never had a psychologist. They've never had a gym instructor. They've never had a nutritionist. They've just had themselves one man and, you know, extremely capable backroom teams over the years. And to achieve what they did... Um, I think, you know, as you say, they have changed uh, women's sport in Ireland. And I think, okay, obviously Katie Taylor is an individual and there's other great individuals there. But I do really think it it will take a national team to actually achieve mammoth success, whether it's the cricket team in India next uh, next March in the T20 World Cup or whether it's Neve Briggs and her, her gang again in Six Nations next year at the Irish women's hockey team, you know. Uh, it's something is brewing anyway, um, but I think that the Cork Ladies football team have instigated all of that. Mary White, author of Relentless, the inside story of the Cork Ladies football team, which is, of course, a Satanta Sportsbook of the Year nominee. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Malashin. Another great year for Cork and Ladies football and Camogie. Not so good in hurling and football. Patter Healy is the new boss of the Cork footballers. It'll be interesting to see how he gets on. Uh, Kieran Kingston has taken over from Jimmy Barry Murphy. Uh, with the hurlers don't forget live championship action will be back on News Talk in the coming summer live on Off the Ball this is the Rewind 2015 on News Talk and Ireland's boxers will once again be our principal medal hopes in Rio next year now already qualified are Michael Conlon Paddy Barnes Stephen Donnelly and Joe Ward while gold medal winner last time out Katie Taylor must go through qualifiers which take place in April they're followed by the world championships in May former Olympic silver medalist Ken Egan has been speaking to me about Conlon, Barnes and Donnelly and what chance they have along with Joe Ward but first we talked about Taylor who has said she's a little bit frustrated that uh, the qualifiers are on so late and Egan says he fully understands that frustration Definitely um, it, it was originally scheduled for January uh, you know she was supposed to box in the World Championships but it was changed now and it's going to be close to the Olympic Games and I can understand her frustration because she, if she boxes in these World Championships picks up any kind of a niggle it can be a serious case then when she's going to the, you know, out to uh, the Olympic Games themselves. So it's not an ideal case, but so she's just going to have to be extra careful, I feel, you know, when she's going to these World Championships to try and qualify. And as a boxer, that can be quite tough to do. It's, it's, it's hard to be careful in the ring, isn't it? It's a physical sport, as you know, you know, so each fight, she's going to have to get in there and box the, you know, she's years ahead of, of everyone else, but for me, she need, just needs to box clever in these World Championships. And if she can do that, avoid injury and get her, her back at the Olympic Games but as we all know Katie Taylor she wants to go to those World Championships and win the World title again that's that's in her DNA you know she wants to win all the time so I, I can, you know I'm being honest I can see her going to the World Championships and winning them there'll be no problem there but it's just avoiding injury at all costs that's the, you know, that's the, that's, that's the big one that she needs to do Let's talk about uh, Paddy Barnes Michael Conlon Stephen Donnelly and Joe Ward all qualified for the Olympics and Michael has made no secret of it. He's going for gold. He'd be disappointed with anything else. And you know what? He's got form. A world uh, champion, uh, a European medalist and uh, and a form guy. A guy who's been there and done it at Olympic level as well. 
I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'd say it's it's probably harder to win a world title than it is an Olympic gold medal. That's being honest. Um, because the the numbers that are in the world championships outweigh the ones that are in the Olympic Games. Now, the standard, obviously, we've opened the Olympic Games. But for me, Michael Conlon, he's in form at the moment. He's so young. He's so confident. He's doing everything right. Um, and there's no reason why he can't go to Rio and win the gold medal. But look, it's the Olympic Games. Anything can happen. He gets a good draw. He can avoid uh, the, you know the big guns. And he can go on and win the gold. But for me... He is the informed boxer at the moment. He's boxing out of his skin in every competition. And he just seems to do it effortless, effortlessly. He's just so talented and so confident. It's, it's, it's brilliant to see. Can he keep it going between now and then? Because form is temporary. It is temporary, but he's young, you see. That's the beauty of it. He has, you know, he has that youth on his side. Um, he's not under any pressure. He, he has his plan. He has his plan mapped out. He wants to go to Rio, win the gold medal, and then turn professional. And there's no reason why he can't do that. He won't have that many competitions from now to Rio either, so he'll have a few peaking tournaments, he'll test himself, his fitness, he'll keep an eye on his weight. And I think it was a great move, him, him actually moving up from 52 to 56, because um, he is that, that bit taller now, and he's, he's, you know, it's, it's the perfect way for him. What about the chances of Paddy Barnes, Stephen Donnelly and Joe Ward? I guess we're, we're more familiar with Ward and Barnes than we are with Donnelly. Stephen Donnelly's the dark horse, he comes in, yeah, fair play to him, you know, and that was a great surprise for him. You know, we got the call to say that he 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 actually qualified for for the Olympic Games, which is great. He went he went down the road of you know the he went down the road of of uh, the World Series of boxing, um, and he had a great campaign out there also. You know, he I think it was seven out of eight wins, um, and it was a, it was a nervous wait to see if, if he had qualified. And thank God he did. He is a good talent. Um, you know, there's not a lot often said about him because he, he didn't box in the seniors the last two years. Adam Nolan obviously went in there and won them twice, and it's it's a shame on Adam Nolan because. He's a good grafter. He's a good, good worker. But unfortunately, Stephen Donnelly said they're robbing his place on him. Um, and he could do things out there too. You know, he is good. There's plenty of talent there. Joe Ward, now, he's the man I'd, I'd want to see winning the medal. I expect to see winning the medal. Um, he has all the talent in the world. Um, he's boxing out with skin. Again, out in the World Championships winning the silver medal. Unfortunately, he came up against the Cuban. It's the only thing I fear. If he draws the Cuban early in the Olympic Games, you know, that could be Joe's exit. I don't think he has the beating of the Cuban. He never will. Just the Cuban just has his number. Um, and Paddy Barnes, he's going for a third Olympic medal. It's hard to believe. And, you know, the way he's behaving and the way he's talking at the moment, there's no reason why he can't go out and win the gold medal. That's the fact. That's the truth. Ken Egan, thank you very much. Great stuff. Thanks for having me. Olympic silver medalist Ken Egan running the rule over our boxers ahead of the 2016 Olympics. Hopefully, a few more will qualify. Now, 2015 will probably be remembered as the year that Michael Conlon uh, became world champion, but also the year that Billy Walsh left. The circumstances have been much talked about. Uh, but what what effect will it have in 2016 and beyond? Well, Darren O'Neill was an Olympian in 2012. He hopes to be again in 2016. He's got to go through the qualifiers. I spoke to him about what effect Billy's departure might have. But first, we talked about what he has to do to get to Rio? I've yet to see because I need to go in talks with the WSB Venezuelan team who picked me. Um, I'm hoping that they will give me two fights early in the year to allow me to go to the APB and WSB qualifier um, later in the year, but that's yet to be confirmed. If it does go ahead, I'll, be, I'll probably be starting mid-January and February. Um, but I suppose what is what is said is that uh, we'll be starting back as a squad on the 5th or 6th of January um, you know, on the qualifiers in April. So there's a competition before that in February, as far as I know, in Bulgaria. Uh, so that'll be a good warm-up tournament in a few training camps uh, with other teams before heading to Istanbul for the qualifier in April. Is it a nervous time? Is it a worrying time? What kind of time is this for you? Kind of 
not knowing exactly what the future would be when you consider a lot of guys know they've already booked a spot in Rio look you can look at it whatever way you want but to be honest for me it's an exciting time yeah. um, I qualified last time in the World Championships and I suppose the time before that I didn't get to go to the qualifier so you know this is the kind of this will be the first Olympic qualifier I get to go to as a tournament but you know expectations won't be I suppose won't, people won't be expecting me to qualify because you know no Irish heavyweight has reached the top three in Europe since the 1930s or 1940s uh, and that's what I need to do I need to reach the top three in Europe but look at the same time I'd be optimistic because I went to the European Games and, and Championships this year and I suppose maybe somewhere in the back of my head I wasn't overly optimistic but I haven't seen what was there and the standard that was there I know that I'm as good as if not better than all that, that I have seen there um, I just need a bit of luck I need a performance and uh, you know I, I need uh, I need obviously to keep injury free between now and then Are you enjoying heavyweight a bit more? I mean what, are the, what are the changes? Yeah I'm loving it um, I really am now to be honest 75 was just too much for me um, I was just dead making weight and it affects you in the ring and outside the ring you know your personal life even you're just so grumpy and grouchy all the time you look healthier actually yeah people have said it to me <laughs> uh, look you could see in the last the last two years after after London basically you could see at down 75 I didn't look well um, you know it wasn't my natural anywhere natural for me at all I looked kind of gaunt um, but I'm really enjoying it now obviously the boys are that way bigger <laughs> you know they're that much bigger but uh I'm enjoying it, you know. I'm back. I'm just enjoying my boxing, doing what I did as a kid, and you know, uh, hopefully, I can I can continue that. And you know, I I feel I've picked up a lot of experience this year at the heavyweight division. Um, you know, I, I'll I'll have a bit more growing into it to do because I found earlier in the season I was fatiguing later in the rounds because I wasn't used to carrying the weight and because I wasn't used to holding up the bigger guys I'll be boxing against who drain more energy out of you. But I've been doing a lot of conditioning work around that. Uh, I will continue to do so for the next few months. And you no, know, please God, it'll all come together come April. I suppose fans who, who have never boxed, we assume that heavyweight is all about power. But is it about, to you, keeping those same skills that, that brought you previous success in a, in, in a different way? That's exactly what it is for me. Um, and funny, I thought to myself, I said, you know what, if I can manage with the, the strength and power of these guys, then I'll be fine because they're boxed at a slower pace and, and you know, they'll be, they'll be a little bit slower. But to be honest with you, in recent years, like the, the heavyweight division has, has exploded the... You know, the amount of punches that the boxers are throwing, the work rate that they're working at is phenomenal, you know. Um, and I couldn't believe it when they stepped up. And that's probably where I, I started struggling with the, the conditional aspect. Um, having to work at that same intensity that I have been working at, if not higher intensity that I have been working at a middleweight. And, you know, that's that's something that I'm trying to bring with me now. So my conditioning work is, is I suppose is mainly based on trying to be able to work at that intensity level that I want to be able to work at so that I can, I can use my, I suppose... What, what I should have anyway is a bit of speed but where I can use that uh, speed and where I can use my skills and experience um, to try outmaneuver these guys and obviously if, if the punch comes the punch comes but you know it's amateur boxing it's, it's all about the skills and techniques of, of boxing and uh, you need to be fit enough to do that it, it, it takes an incredible toll on your body to, to faint and maneuver as you want to let alone throw the punches Billy Walsh obviously gone Firstly, it must be strange for him not to be there. And secondly, is it having an effect at the moment or will we only know that when the tournaments come around? Or, or are we as fans again making too much of it because it was an easy thing for people to jump on and whatever? I don't know if we're making too much of it. I think it, look, I think it's something that, that needed to be noted um, because, I don't know, is it an Irish thing or whatever, but we always seem to screw our own. Um, I, th- I think Billy did wonders for Irish boxing. Um, you know, and obviously uh, I'd have a long, uh, a long running relationship with him through the high performance. Um, 
But look, we haven't yet felt it as a team because we haven't been in as a squad together since yeah. he left. Uh, we were home at our clubs for national championships and I think it's going to be a strange uh, and eerie kind of dynamic when we go back in, in together in January uh, when he's not there. But we have a fantastic uh, squad of coaches that are that are still with us. Zora Ante is the best technical coach in the world without a shadow of a doubt. Eddie Bulger and John Conlon have been doing fantastic work um, you know, in APB, WSB and AOB terms. Um, so you know, and I think that the vast experience that we have within this squad alone um, should be enough to bring us through to Rio. And you know, and Billy sat down with the other coaches before he left, and they had the plans for Rio put in place. So I think the plans are there. I think the experience is there, and I think you know we have enough quality in boxers and in staff to get us through to Rio. Um, look, how things manifest after Rio, I'm not sure, but but I think uh, I think the experience of the squad should be enough to get us through, and please God, it'll be enough to leave a legacy behind too. Athletes don't particularly like change, though. Are you worried that you know, as as much as Billy has planned, that he is gone and and, and that's that, and it is going to be different because he's not there. Look, it might be a little bit different in competitions, but I suppose essentially, um, the last few years, Zor is always on the floor. He's the main guy on the floor. Um, you know, he implements the technical things. It might be a little bit different in competition when he's not there in your corner, and you know, you might see him in, in an opposing corner. But I just think I think the experience will be enough to get us through. I mean. As I say, Paddy Barnes and Michael Conlon have already qualified there. They've been in WSB um, with Michael's, um, Michael's dad, John, and, and other coaches, um, you know, throughout the year. So, you know, even even the national championship's gone. We've been in the corners with our own club coaches. So, you know, I just think we have enough experience to get through. And, and, and I think uh, when it comes to it, you know, at the end of the day, maybe in the, in the setup or whatever way it works out, it'll be differences. But when someone's trying to hit you in the face, you're not going to be looking back over your corner to see who's who's there, and you know you're not you're going to have to try to block out any effects that that has. Yeah. Has Billy's departure and the manner of it affected the boxers' relationship with the IABA and the management of that? Again, because we haven't been in together as a squad, um, I don't think we can kind of see that as of yet. And I don't think it will because, look, at the end of the day, we have to look after ourselves and, you know, whatever, I suppose, ideas or whatever feelings we have about it or, you know, even if we had negative feelings towards the ABA, you're going to have to hide that and, and, you know, just forget that because at the end of the day, you know, you're operating under their under their banner. So, you know, I suppose yeah, you owe them as well and, you know, you have to just get up and get on with it. Do you say it to them, though? I mean, you said hide it there and I think I know what you mean, but... Do you make it clear to them and then once it's clear it's out in the open and, and that's that because sometimes when you don't say things and it festers that's when it has the negative effect I don't think it needs to be stated to them I think you know all that has gone on over the last few weeks so, you know all I think the boxers have done is and you know even from my own point of view is just state how much respect that we have had for Billy as a coach and you know as a leader of the team um you know I don't think there's much more we can do or, or should do really um you know it's not up to us to determine who should be leading the team or who should be a coach or you know what he should be allowed to do whatever you know your own personal opinions are, are completely different but all all we can state is you know how you feel about the person and uh, I think I think we've done so and just before I let you go we're here at the uh, Federation of Irish Sports uh, launch they want uh, kids doing more PE and I know this is something you care about firstly as an athlete and secondly as a teacher or maybe firstly as a teacher and secondly as an athlete yeah, uh, I don't know which one comes first, but yeah, yeah it's definitely something that I think uh, needs to be addressed. And I think I, I spoke at one of their conferences before, actually. Um, you know, and it's not to be disrespectful to, to teachers or to any any practitioners, but yeah, there, I think there definitely needs to be more activity. Um, obviously, things like obesity and things like this are you know are key issues at the minute. Um, and the only way you're going to lose that is to, you know and to defeat that is to get out and get active. Um, you know, I think added uh, activity times you know and added maybe coaching or 
I don't know, instruction maybe, um, could also lead to, I suppose, cross-sectional um, differences. You know, you're looking at people now with stress, with back issues, with core issues, and, and that, a lot of that is, is because they haven't got it as kids. You know, you need to start with your fundamentals, or move, move up to your fundamental movement skills, and, you know, only then can you start in your fundamental score, uh, sports skills. And, you know, too often now people are just giving a football, here, go play a game of, go play a game of soccer, you know, and you can't do that if you don't have the fundamentals of movement and the fundamental movement skills. You can't do it effectively anyway. Um, you know, and I think I think it, it would it would lead to a lot uh, a lot of advantages for for all the department issues and and all society if if we could get people more active and you know it's going to deter crime, going to deter you know uh, I suppose any any kind of criminal activity. But again, obesity, uh, stress, all of these things, you know, I think it, it it'll have a massive benefit for us. Darren, thank you and the best of luck in 2016. That's great. Thanks very much. Irish boxer Darren O'Neill speaking to the Rewind 2015 here on News Talk. Hope you're keeping well. I'm Oisín Langan. And the Irish men's hockey team will take their place at the Olympics next year for the first time since London 1948. They reached the semi-finals of the European Championships where they won a bronze medal. They beat Pakistan also, who were ranked well above them. That was in World League 3. Now that in itself wasn't enough to get them through to the Olympics. We'll explain that in a moment. But first, we need to reflect back on 2011. A goal conceded with seven seconds to go to Korea cost them their place in London 2012 and there's been other close calls through the years as well I asked coach Craig Fulton about what the difference was in qualification this time round what did he change what did he work on when you look at it factually you know there was one or two things that weren't right that happened on the day for whatever reason and that's sport Mm. Uh, they didn't get the result the things that we could have controlled that well, back then we didn't, know, but now we could have. all of that, but okay. what I did do is with the team, we debriefed it. Okay. And because we debriefed it, we took the emotion out of it and we went fact, 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 fact. And then suddenly started to paint a different picture because all they remembered was the hurt. All they remembered was the failure. You know, and, and it was this thing about failing forward as opposed to you are a failure. You, you failed at something that doesn't mean you're a failure. So it's how do we get back on track Use this experience, yeah. turn it into something positive, go and get it right, and get it right when it counts. Yeah. And that was the difference. So we used it in our, in our favor rather than looking back at it and never wanting to discuss it again. Because yeah. I don't think it had been debriefed in that light where I could use it as a positive. Yeah. So we had to go back to it, revisit it, pull it apart, and start again. Try again, fail better, as Samuel Beckett once said. Yeah. Um, it was an unusual kind of situation when... The moment came when Ireland actually qualified. Yeah. Because it wasn't a playing situation. It was what, yeah, yeah, yeah. six or seven o'clock on a Sunday morning and a game in Australia. Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah so we knew once we, we hadn't qualified directly, yeah. we'd have to be waiting on, unless we won the Europeans, which is also a tall order. But we got to the semi-final, lost to Holland 1-0. Mm-hmm. So we knew then at that European moment that we, we couldn't walk away having known we were qualified. So we had to wait another two months or nine weeks for Australia to, to play up against New Zealand. And that was always going to be a close one because New Zealand can play. Um, but you know what? We couldn't do any more. Mm-hmm. And that was all I really... I, I slept well, knowing that you know if this goes our way, it's not because you know we could have done any more. Or if it doesn't go our way, it's like not because we didn't do this. You know what I mean? We absolutely laid it on the line, did absolutely everything possible, was a successful Europeans, showed we can play... And that we deserve it, yeah. you know. But life's not like that. You don't get to deserve things and they go your way, you know. So the nice thing was it was the world number one versus the world number seven. So 
we knew New Zealand had only beaten them once in quite a while, but never at that tournament. So that was a positive as well, and we ended up uh, on the right side of the result. Yeah. How do you prepare between now and then? Because there's what six, seven months to go to the Olympics in Rio. Yeah, um, yeah, we have a, a really big program, so we're just waiting for um, our funding from from the government, from Sports Institute, um, which is important for us for everything that we're doing. But we go to South Africa in January, so we're really we're really well into it. Um, but the finer details will come as the Olympic pools are confirmed and teams start eyeing who they're needing to play. Uh, we have a fair idea of that at the moment, so we're already lining that up. But at, uh, at the same time, there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah. Because in Olympic year, sorry, yeah. those teams that are already fully professional get more funding. Yeah. So they spend even more time together. And we not only qualified late, and we're still kind of waiting yeah. to get our plan 100% confirmed, and then we have to catch up to them. Is it difficult because most of your guys are amateur? Yeah. Um, so we have some professional hockey players, but we have a lot of hockey players that are full-time workers. Yeah. And some of the guys, oh, their, their companies leave, you know. So what we did this year, I don't think people really know the, the sacrifices involved. You always talk about it. But when when guys are, are in negative leave and not getting paid for leave and things like that because they've exhausted every every angle and they're yeah. still playing, you know, it's just a testament to them, and you know, I'm I'm really glad that we we have those committed individuals in our in our squad, you know. Yeah, and that is incredible because in the GA we're great to praise ourselves for that, and rightfully so. Mm. But when you hear that, do you think, hey, the hockey guys do it as well? And do you think maybe we should make a bigger deal out of this because obviously hockey is not as well supported, it's not as widely watched as mm. we'll say hurling, football, mm. rugby, soccer. Do you think this is something that you really need to tell the world about? 100% because, um, I mean, it's the first time hockey's like sat at this table of, of managers for a very long time. Yeah. And that's, that's proving that there's proof in the pudding. You know, like we are, we are making, making ground and we are actually doing some, some really positive things. I think at the same time, um, we can't, this is not sustainable. This is not sustainable. I cannot keep asking and I cannot keep pushing like this without having the backing to, for us to go semi full time where we can get them out of work for say a Monday and a Tuesday and we train yeah. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. That gives us four four days a week. Yeah. You know, that gives us sixteen days a month, more than we would have had the four double trainings on a Sunday for the month. So that starts to put us in line with what's happening around the world. So we need to move that way. What's the answer? Maybe something like central contracts like they have in rugby and maybe getting provincial sides again like they have in rugby and playing in, in bigger European leagues, trying to enter those? Is, is, is that a possibility? So definitely. Uh, like we need to centralise it. We need to have our players on contract and then we can also, on a needs basis, push them out to the best leagues in the world because they are world-class players. So those leagues will definitely benefit from having their We'll benefit from them training and then we get them in the international season. But we know where they've been, who's been coaching them, what's, and we can line that all up. But then those that don't travel... We focus on them as often as we can, and the S and C in hockey is massive. Yeah. So that's a big, big area that needs to be. We need to spend a lot of time on that. And uh, yeah, obviously you follow other sports, and we're here at the Phillips Sports Manager of the Year. You know, Martin O'Neill and Michael O'Neill are joint winners, the Northern Ireland and uh, Ireland managers, and they've been talking about the, the Irish sporting psychic that psycho, psyche, I should say, that sometimes we we 
perform or above our level because we've got a kind of a, a special psyche. You're obviously outside looking in, but you're very much in because you, you, you manage an Irish team. Would you agree with that? Do we have a, a different psyche, good, bad or indifferent, better or worse? Yeah, we do. Um, you know, in the beginning, there's, there's, you know, when you've, you've tried really, really hard for a long time and not made it. I'm talking specifically hockey. I yeah. can't really talk for the, the other sports at the moment. There's stories on soccer as well. Yeah, for sure. You know, like you end up letting your demons haunt you. But if you don't make them work for you and bring them with you and kind of, you know, deal with them, they'll come up again. Yeah. You know, so that was what it was a, from a psyche point of view. We got that right. But I also think, um, you know, we would be the only team at the Olympics that's not professional. So they're, they're, it's moving so fast in that even Brazil will be professional because they obviously have a home game. So they are full-time athletes in their environment. And everyone else in our pool is full-time and already training on a full-time basis. Yeah. So we are pulling, yeah, we, we are punching above our weight. But the beauty of it at the moment is we're not driven by money. Yeah. So when we have an amateur team like ourselves playing up against England, we don't really need more motivation to play England. But at the same time, yeah. like we're not getting paid to win this game there's a desire and a, and a commitment to everyone else to to bring their best every game so yeah. is there a worry that you could lose players to england because i know that's happened in the past guys have played well for ireland and they've gone over kind of similar to what happens in cricket there's no reason now yeah. you know what i mean because we just beaten england in a major tournament and won a medal in their own back garden you know and they have a budget of 20 million for hockey it's it's unbelievable wow. and it's a three million pound team so we're firing around about 150,000 euros? Yeah. Wow. Just compare that. So yeah. that's what we're doing at the moment, but it's, like I say, not sustainable. Craig Fulton, the Irish hockey coach there. Best of luck to Ireland in the Olympics next summer in Rio. Now, this is the Rewind 2015 on News Talk. We're looking back on the highs of 2015 and looking ahead to 2016 as well. In rugby, the Irish women's and men's side both won their Six Nations titles this year. The women's team were successful under Tom Tierney, who was in his first season in charge. Donegal's Nora Stapleton was part of that success earlier in the year and she says they're already looking ahead to the uh, next 12 months. Yeah, it's been a great year for us. Um, we've recently actually just left back the Six Nations trophy um, but it's spent the last six months kind of travelling around the country, getting into clubs, schools and um, hopefully with the, the aim that more kids will pick up the sport. Yeah. Another Six Nations success. Maybe it was better than previous ones because there was so much change in the, the, the squad and there was a new coaching set up and there was kind of a lot of variables so you didn't quite know how it was going to go. Um, no, we probably didn't. I mean, it's always a little bit different when a new coach comes in or a new coaching team. Um, we've also had a few new players, but I think, you know, we still have a little bit of experience there. Um, also, as players, we constantly want to try and impress. We want to learn and we want to improve every time. So as soon as we had an idea of how the coach wanted us to play, then we tried to put that in place. Um, and also, I think, obviously, our preparation over the last four years has been quite good. Um, so all of that helped as well. Uh, now, coming into this season we have another well, we've already had eight new or nine new caps in our most recent uh, fixture against England and we'll probably see a few more uh, when it comes to Six Nations so you know really when you have up to maybe 10 new people coming into the squad that's going to have change again but the girls have been great and to be honest there hasn't really been much noticeable change or anything like that in training um, everybody's working hard it's very competitive um, which is what you want coming into any new Six Nations campaign has the Sevens squad and what they're doing ha- had any knock on on your preparations for the Six Nations or or anything else yet? Um, 
probably not yet to be honest I mean the sevens are training hard you know every single day and they've got their own competitions that they're preparing for with the World Series um, it's hard to know what way to look in February when it comes to Six Nations and even in March because obviously the sevens will still be playing around that time as well it's not to say that a few of them won't be coming into the Six Nations camps um, I think at the minute everyone's just working on what their individual aims are so whether that's sevens or fifteens it's just about getting the head down um, doing the work in the gym, getting the fitness done, getting the skills up to scratch and then whoever's called into camp is called in and you just look to try and play with, with those players, put the systems in place or any of the tactics and things like that but um, obviously whoever comes into any camp you know you you have to be ready to be able to slot in and, and that's what it's been like so look we've uh, between the sevens and fifteens we've probably about 50 players who are now training an awful lot with Ireland which is fantastic to see and let's hope they can get to the Olympics one of the common denominators between the the fifteens squad if I can call it that and the seven squad is that there's many players involved who, who never played rugby underage uh, you're an example yeah. Lindsay Pete, an example made her debut I think she was in her 30s by the time she made her debut against England yeah. and Eve Briggs another example um, what is it about GA that seems to, to lend itself well to, to rugby players adapting and taking up the game really well? Um, yeah, I mean, GA is one sport that we've all come from the players that you listed, but I think, you know, we've played an awful lot of sports and maybe it's just that we're used to actually being active and we learnt a lot of the fundamental skills when we were quite young. Um, but when you pick GEA as a sole example, obviously you have a lot of handling of the ball. Um, so between your catching passing, um, there's also the kicking element to the game as well. But then even being able to read the play um, comes into it. So and obviously evasion and that sort of stuff. Um, and I think, you know, when you combine all those together and... Like rugby was such a new sport for a lot of us and made it very attractive um, it happened that we became very good at it and I definitely think that the likes of GEA and other sports would have had an, an impact on that because that's where we learned all those fundamental skills And you're now working with the IRFU on coaching and development and, and finding players how important for you is it that we have more players playing from a younger age rugby this is in Ireland particularly, uh, particularly ladies players because generally when guys play they've, they've played it right the way through um, okay, it's so important, but you know, you want any sport wants girls playing from a young age because obviously that's going to help them be better when they get that little bit older. Um, I suppose for us, it's about making sure that the facilities and the clubs and things like that are um, ready to to bring in girls and ready to set up teams. So it's looking at the volunteers, making sure that we have coaches in place because a lot of time we have girls who want to play but maybe just the teams aren't there yet for them to step into so we're constantly um, constantly growing you know there are new teams setting up all the time there's more and more girls joining rugby from the age of six through to their teens um, you know there's not an age bracket in the country where girls aren't coming into sport as opposed to leaving or dropping out of the sport so that's a nice statistic to have but as I said it is about um, making sure that we have the, the backroom team as such there so clubs have co- coaches in place and they have the structures in place for those kids to come into and just to finish on the Ireland senior team again a new home next year I know you particularly uh, loved Ashburn but it's a positive sign that you've had to move but I know you're going to miss Ashburn Uh, we will miss miss Ashburn yeah I mean it's been such a nice little home for us for the last number of years you know and we've had a lot of very good victories there Um, but I think it shows how much the team has grown Um, the number of people who are coming out to the game as well and, and supporting us that's 
growing all the time. So we're really hoping that we'll fill Donnybrook now, to be honest. Um, it's fantastic facilities again. There's top-notch stadium there. Um, the pitch is amazing, so you can guarantee that it's going to be a nice, fast game of rugby um, when you do come down to see it. And I suppose on the plus side, it's right in Dublin city centre. So we will get a lot of footfall. A lot of people like coming to Dublin, spending the day there, spending the weekend there. You know, it's round the corner from spending their life there in your case yeah in my case <laughs> I, I don't live too far from Donnybrook um, or work too far from it yeah. but um, I think it's going to be an excellent new home for us yeah. and I ha- can't wait to see the type of rugby that comes out of it now yeah. Nora pleasure talking to you best of luck in 2016 thanks very much Nora Stapleton of the Irish women's rugby team it was a good year for them and overall when you win a Six Nations you have to say it was a good year as well for the men, even though the World Cup ended in disappointment with that uh, loss to Argentina. But had we had Johnny Sexton and Paul O'Connell and Peter O'Mahony on the pitch, among others, and Sean O'Brien maybe as well, who knows what could have happened. But um, we know what did happen. And that's that's the sad thing. Uh, but uh, look, we look ahead to 2016 with great positivity, even though Paul O'Connell has retired and Ian Henderson will be missing uh, the Six Nations through injury. Tommy Bow is out as well. Uh, but we know that this is a resilient bunch of players and uh, they will go headfirst into that uh, Six Nations and it'll be interesting as well, especially when you look at England and Eddie Jones, what's he going to do with them? Uh, we can't wait for it. It all kicks off in February. Well, that's it for the Rewind 2015 on News Talk. We're back with our first regular podcast of the year on Monday, January 4th, which is the same day I return to News Talk Breakfast. We've got a great year of sport coming up here on News Talk Off the Ball. We'll bring you live and exclusive Premier League commentaries every Sunday. We've got a Champions Cup rugby and we've got live GA throughout the summer. As always, we'd love to hear from you on rewind.newstalk.com, no matter where you are around the world. And we're going to leave you with one for all of you going to France or those of you who'll be gripped uh, to your TV sets throughout the summer as Ireland go on another European Championship campaign. Let's wish them all the best. Until uh, next year, take care and good luck. Go and compete.
Yeah, I should pray.